Hey everyone, it's Matt and Lucas. We got a quick announcement for you. As some of you may have noticed, we've been kind of alluding to revamping the website a little bit um, and adding some new content on there. Super excited to announce as of this episode, we are officially live with the website. Go check it out. Thanks for playing .live. We got a lot of exciting written content on there from everything covering from, you know, our reviews like on Hogwarts Legacy, some think pieces, some reviews on games we're not even going to do for the podcast, but exclusive to the website like uh, Destiny 2's Lightfall and a lot of other great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. You know, uh, it's been a lot of work basically this year. Matt and I made it a big goal for the podcast to actually have more written content out there. Um, you know, for those of you who've been listening for a while, we've always been in growth mode, you know, trying to promote the yes. pod, trying to get our voices out there. And thanks for playing Dot .live. Um, we're looking to turn into a real content-driven website with, one, all of our regular reviews that we do. So you could always check there for basically the written version of every review we do for this podcast. But additional reviews that we don't have time for for the podcast that are covered by a wide variety of our contributors. Um, Hot Mickey, as you know, a contributor uh, Chambers, who's been on this, um, producer Sam, um, Hyalette, Orion, a uh, lot of great people, including some new voices who maybe you guys haven't heard of before. So check out Thanks for Playing Live for the latest and greatest in video game, nerd culture, movie, TV content. And we hope to see you there. Now for the episode. Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. I was, I was, I was kind of holding I, I was scared. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Matt has uh, had the hiccups. This for minutes before recording, and we just we needed yeah. to go. We needed to record. So he's uh, I I sat down, and the hiccups just started. I was really holding that 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 Yelp a little. <laughs> <laughs> there was a visual. Okay, anyway, I was really holding that Yelp. I was really holding a hiccup would actually come meet me halfway, but it did not. Um, that is okay, everyone. But we had a fun one today, really do. But first, I want to tell a fun story. Something that happened to me. Last week at the climbing gym, I, Matthew Rockaby, got noticed for the first time as a public figure for the oh. world-renowned podcast. I got noticed in public for the world-renowned podcast. Thanks for playing. Um, so, little story time of how this happened. So, I'm doing my thing, climbing with some people at the gym, hanging out, having a good time, crushing some V15s. You know how it is. <laughs> Just, um, yeah, banging them out for sure. Banging them out left and right. And this guy, Nick, comes up to me. Um, he comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, this is really weird, but I know you or something to that effect. And I'm kind of like, what? Then he goes like, so I was, you know, browsing my TikTok. And then on my For You page, I saw you had a few climbing videos posted. Bearing in mind, and he recognized those climbing videos as also being at Hollywood Boulder, the climbing gym. We go, oh, I just doxed us. Sorry, everyone. You're told, I, I think yeah. people would have found that out very easily. Yeah, oh, found that out by God. now. Um, but the climbing gym, we go to Hollywood Boulders in LA. And this guy, um, you know, he saw the videos, he watched them. And then he also saw in my bio for the TikTok page, he saw that, you know, I was like, oh, co-host of TFU Podcasts. 
And this guy says, he's like, yeah, he liked the games. So he went and uh, he checked out the podcast page uh, and listened to an episode. He listened to the Stardew episode and he was not <laughs> shy to tell me how my takes were awful on Stardew. <laughs> so is that, so, did, is, did he say like, yo, I fucking saw your shit and your Stardew take was trash. Have a good day. Or was it like, hey man, I, what was up with that? No, no, was it, was, it was cool. It was pretty, he was like, oh yeah, I like the podcast, but like, you know, your Stardew Valley was awful. Like, your take was awful. So uh, I, I, that's fine. Yeah, I can live with that. Did you argue uh, with him then and there at the climbing gym? No, I was just like, look, man, it's just not a game I like. Like, <laughs> did, did he like my opinion on Stardew? Uh, we didn't talk about you. He was too busy with focusing on the star. It's kind of crazy. Kind of um, crazy. Ooh. I, I, we might have, I don't know. I was just like so starstruck, honestly, that some, or so like flabbergasted that someone recognized me um, randomly. But no, it's a kind of cool story there. So shout outs uh, the homie Nick from the climbing gym. Yeah. Hey, Nick, I climbed there too. Say what up. Bro, you've been there like once the past month. Yeah. Twice, maybe. Well, you know why? You know why I haven't been there that often? Oh, Tell us why. Do we, do we have to relitigate this? I've been all Every over. Time. I've been all over the world, dude. I've been, I've been all over the world. I don't want to get into it. I've just been everywhere, so we can leave it at that. Oh, man, this guy, this guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fun, fun little story time there. Also, really quickly, I just want to announce because I care. Today, uh, Weston McKenney was announced he is officially going to Leeds United. I didn't tell you this today, Luke, so when we hung out, actually. But mm. yeah, Weston McKenney is officially joining Leeds United in the Premier League. He's joining from Juventus. Uh, and for those that don't know, Leeds United already has two other American players and an American coach and an American assistant coach. So we now have five American players at one English club in the Premier League, which is, oh, excuse me, three yep. American players and two American coaches, which to my knowledge, is the highest concentrations of Americans we've ever had. Spreading, spreading democracy. Spreading democracy. That's what it's um, all about. One team at a time. Getting, um, getting them back for War of 1812, you know? Um, is, that, is that what we lost? Taking it straight is to that- Parliament <laughs> building, right? Isn't that the one where they burned down the White House? Yeah, they burned down the White House in the War of 1812. They yeah. did? Yeah. Oh, what the, the fuck? fuck? We gotta do something about this. I didn't I know, know that. I, Weston, we're, we're already on the move. We, Weston, we, we, is we, the, <laughs> Weston is the perfect man to reign terror. In England, I will say <laughs> he is like, the bad is boy of U.S. soccer, and he is yeah. making, he is planting the seeds of rebellion in there right now. This, right. this is two hundred years in the making, Lucas. Yeah, I know. that's where, that's what I'm hearing. You're you're, you're to go visit Leeds in six months, Lucas, and everyone's going to be chowing down on glizzies left and right. It's going to yeah, be great. They don't have glizzies there. Huh? They don't have glizzies there. Yeah, they just don't even. They don't. They don't, they don't have a concept of it. Glizzies yeah. left and right. Twinkies. Yeah, they already have McDonald's S- suburbs. <laughs> that's, that's the american that's there it is twinkies hot dogs and suburbs the american trifecta american dream yeah but yeah super exciting you know um we, we're, we're really putting all our eggs in one basket if that club gets relegated which they're in a relegation battle it's gonna look really bad for american soccer but if we make something happen it'll look pretty cool so i'm really excited i'm gonna be waking Ooh. up probably very early on some days to uh to watch those matches so i'm looking forward to that but it's gonna be a good time but please keep um that is all we got on that today. And, you know, it, England is a, a very rich city or rather country, excuse me. Um, but an even richer country is Germany. All right. Mm. Germany is a very rich historical country. And I would know because I went there pretty recently. Yeah. However, I, <laughs> however, I went there 
in the modern times. I want to take us back really quickly, back to the 1500s, back to Bavaria, back to the town of Tassing. That's our interview today. We are talking about the number one 1500s Bavarian town simulator, Pentiment. Developed, developed by the great Obsidian Entertainment, we have Pentiment. Uh, 9 out of 10 from Destructoid, 10 out of 10 from IGN, 6 out of 10 from GameSpot, and an overall 88 out of 100 on Metacritic. It is our January game we're very excited to talk about here today. Yes, and uh, really quickly before we get into that, we've got to go over all the lovely stuff where you can find us. And really quickly, Hot Mickey, while I'm doing that, could you do me a solid and look up what, uh, what 10 out of 10s IGN gave in 2022? I'd be curious to check that out. But... Um, Diving right into it, everyone. Well, before we dive into it, excuse me. Really quickly, as always, as a reminder, you can find us online at TFP Podcasts. That's at TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. On Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram as well. You can also shoot us an email at thanksplainpod at gmail.com. Um, or you can go to our website, thanksplain.live. And the link tree on any of those social media handles or on our website, you can find a link to our Discord. And that link is the best place to reach myself and Lucas uh, Hot Mickey or excuse me that Discord is the best place to reach myself Lucas and Hot Mickey as well as everyone else in our wonderful community uh, Hot Mickey did you get the 10 out of 10s? I do we have one, two, three, four. Oh, I was way this off movie or game four. four four games okay what do we got we have I think the first one of the year was Elden Ring yes oh, of course yeah hell yeah okay Fuck this is yes. not in order because God of War is next okay uh, then we have Dwarf Fortress. Ah, that was a sleeper one, I think. And then we have Pentiment. Right. Right, Pentiment. I guess Pentiment was the last one for the year, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Because Elden Ring was early on. God of War was obviously in the fall. Pentiment was November 15th, um, 2022. So this is late stage 2022, um, 10 out of 10. Now, I mean, we... we Matt, what do you want to jump in first? You want to go, you want to go synopsis on this one? Yeah, let, I mean, I, you know, uh, I think a lot of people may not have heard of this game or may not be too familiar with it. So let's give a quick, brief little synopsis here, and then we'll um, we'll jump right into the rest. So, Pentiment. So the story Pentiment follows Andreas Maller, who is serving an apprenticeship at the Karasu Abbey in the small upper Bavarian town of Tassing, which, for context, everyone, Bavaria is basically um, like the Munich area of Germany. So it's kind of more south, I believe, southeast-ish, I forget. Um, actually, that is where I visited. It's a very beautiful area. So I recommend you can get out there if you do. But um, into the rest of the story, so one day while in Tassing, while visiting, the Baron Lorenz Rothwagel is murdered. And after having befriended Andreas, after having befriended Andreas, so Andreas's dear friend and father figure, brother Piero, who is the first to discover the body, is ultimately accused of the crime. In an effort to save his friend, Andreas takes responsibility to find the real culprit. Thus begins Andreas's journey that will ultimately span decades to uncover the mystery around the deaths in 1500 Tassing. Great, great synopsis. Right there, Matthew. Yeah, I, I got I got a little jumbled my words a little bit because my 
my use of commas was pretty poor in this. My my, my what I wrote up here, so I kept kind of had to like awkwardly pause. But yeah, basically, you know, it's kind of like a mystery uh, side scrolly adventure game where you investigate um, a murder of a guy, and then some other people like get murdered over the course of time, and it's all packaged in a very neat 1500s experience in Bavaria. Yeah, it's about a 15, 20 hour long uh, single player adventure game. Um, obviously, the great um, Obsidian Entertainment developed this game uh, known for fantastic story driven content, um, making things like um, Fallout. Oh, hang on. Let me just pull up the full list that we got here. Um, going all the way back to 2006, we got uh Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, we have it was the second one they did, right? Uh, the sequel, yeah. Sorry, sequel to yeah. Star they Wars, only did the second one. Yeah. I played the yeah. shit out of that game. Um, Fallout, New Vegas, Dungeon Siege Three, South Park: The Stick of Truth. Uh, more recently, uh, Pillars of Eternity, Skyforge, um, Tyranny, and The Outer Worlds, uh, a game that we actually did for this podcast. Fun, so very fun good. fact. I actually met the CTO of Obsidian Games. Ooh, what? What was that? Please tell us. This was, uh, I want to say when I was like 22, so about like five years ago. Uh, my dad is actually friends with him. Uh, we uh, He met him through a program called Indian Guides, which is now called, wow, well, it's called something else now because they renamed like the Indian thing. Because you, that because you can't have the name Indian Guides as a name yeah. for a thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it got renamed to something else. I forgot what it is. But I met him through there. And uh, my dad hooked me up with him. And I got a tour of uh, Obsidian Games. It was so sick. Mickey, why didn't you tell us this earlier? <laughs> you know, <I> just <laughs> dropped this bombshell on us right here. How, how was the CTO yeah. of Obsidian? He's actually a very mellow guy. Like he doesn't like show a lot of emotion, but like you can tell, like he's just like super bright though. Like uh, I guess that's how I, you get to CTO. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> yeah. say, did you ask him his opinion on any of the games they made, or is it just like did you go? Uh, I like games. No, like I, I talked to him a bit, like with uh, about uh, the Old Republic too, because that was like one of my favorites at the time, uh, and. Uh, I think it was also South the uh, South Park game, Stick of Truth. What was this guy's name again, Mickey? Uh, my, it's blanking on me. That's all right. It's been a while. We'll figure it out. It's it's we can Google it. We can figure it out. Um so anyway, all that to say, Mickey, that's awesome. Um Obsidian Entertainment is a very storied developer, has released a lot of bangers of games, and you know, more recently games that we have actually played, like The Outer Worlds, um, and games that we've played even even in our childhood. So it's it's pretty big. Um and, you know, there is a really cool thing that Obsidian does that it's, I don't know if I'd call it their signature style, but they're really good at branching stories. They're really good at telling stories that branch out in really good ways. New Vegas is famous for it. Um, Outer Worlds um, is a more recent example of doing it very well as well. Um, and this is sort of like a pure form version of that. Um, is what I would call Pentiment. Pentiment does not have any combat in it. There's light puzzle solving elements, but there's not really like puzzle solving. It's basically a dialogue choice type of game. Um, if you like reading, if you like visual novels, you'll you'll pretty much really like Pentiment quite a bit. Um, and there's just a lot of really positives for that. I, I, that being said, um, I do think that this is a game that maybe a lot of people probably won't like for that exact same reason that it's not like a Vegas where there's combat 
and interesting divergent storylines. It's purely a divergent storyline type of game. Um, I guess we can kind of jump into, I guess, when did it click, Matt? Or you want to go into initial thoughts or you want to jump story world? Well, I would just like to say first that, you know, kind of echoing like Obsidian really, truly does not miss, you know. They don't. Uh, everything I've played from my loved Fallout New Vegas, Code R2, Star Wars Code R2, Outer Worlds, and then this game, uh, the they've really just nailed down storytelling, I think. And I got to say, just some quick initial thoughts. I'm very upset this game wasn't nominated anywhere for Game of the Year or something like that. Or not Game of the Year per se, but really any nominations anywhere. And I don't know if that's because it came out too late. It only came out six days after God of War, Ragnarok. So I don't know if that's it. But like, for example, I didn't see this nominated for art style, which just like really upset me for certain things. So I'm actually not upset about that. We'll, really? We'll get into it and we hit art style. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, well, oh man! For those that don't know, as well, Lucas and I always had a habit of talking about games beforehand before we recorded it. And we both decided to kind of finally implement stop doing that. <laughs> Put stop a wall. doing that. Put up a, a wall so we have more organic convos here. Because you know, I mean, Lucas and I talk almost every day, so the games yeah. come up pretty naturally. So we had to hard, hard say that. We, yeah, yeah. We pretty much, we're having conversations about what we would talk about in this podcast before we talked about it. And I, I just, I was like, Matt, we got to stop doing that. It's just like, yeah. I mean, I'd be, I'd be playing like, <laughs> I'd be playing like God of War. And then Matt would FaceTime me going like, bro, what the fuck is going on in this game? <laughs> He's like playing <laughs> God of War on his couch. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's kind of crazy. You know, and I just like, we have to like get rid of that, you know, and yeah. just like put up that wall. But yeah, pet to bit though, it, for, it really kind of came out of nowhere. Honestly, I hadn't really heard anything about this game until it came out which was kind of a pleasant surprise because it was just like a fun, like, Oh my God, here it is. This is great. Um, yeah, it really came out of nowhere. It came out. Yeah. November 15th, 2022. But first impressions were, Oh man, these manuscripts are hard to read, baby. Hot dog. <laughs> yeah. um, you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. So the main, and the, and the game, so this is set in the 1500s and a lot of the game revolves around a scriptorium and people that write in manuscripts and, that's basically kind of what you're the traditional just writing that you would think of in like old text that is very, very hard to read. Um, but it's usually manuscripts are, you know, they usually have very beautiful borders in them. And then the writing is just very, very stylized, essentially um, very kind of like noble, I guess you could look at it. Um, and so the text bubbles, the text in each individual person's um, text bubbles when they talk, within the game is made to match how someone of their class would have basically written if they mm -hmm. could write at that time. So like the peasants, for example, have very basic writing. Um, all the brothers at the Abbey have a very dignified manuscript style of writing. That's pretty hard to read. You know, the, the nobles, whatever have like more um, intricate writing, things like that. And <laughs> It is very difficult. Um, I turned it off almost instantly. I, I yeah, the game does do a good give you the good option of being able to turn it off, um, which I did very quickly as well. I tried very hard for maybe the first thirty minutes to an hour to really just push through it. But as someone who barely, I you know I grew up in the public school system, so we I barely even looked at cursive. Honestly, um, they never is <laughs> never never emphasized at all, other than like learning how to write it for two weeks in third grade or something very never really emphasized kind of at least 
for some people, probably a dying art, honestly, other than when you write your signature on a check or whatever or a receipt. But yeah, it, it's very difficult to read if you're not used to that. And I mean, you can read it for sure, but you really kind of have to squint and, it, you know, it just, it takes longer than it should to basically right, right. to, to read some of the stuff. Um, that said though, I, I think that is a very interesting mechanic and a good way to do it. Something I actually wish they did do with that was, um, rather than making it where you have to open up the pause menu to switch between the easy to read font and the game intentional, what the game font is designed to be. I wish there was a way to like switch it mid just like, uh, like, you know, right click or whatever, and then switch it mid, um, mid dialogue basically. So you can like really quickly just get the context of this person's ability or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I think it could have been a good, I like a good that. something for them to do, but they didn't. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but that is, so that was my first thing was like, Oh my God, this is hard to read. And I, I actually, I first played it for like an hour and I was so jarred by that. And I didn't want to immediately give into the easy font. It took like a five day break before I finally went back to it and then just gave into the easy font. But once I did, um, the story really takes off and just like first impression is the characters are great. The quirkiness of everyone is great. And I, I mean, for me, I don't know about you, Lucas, but for me, it really does just kind of click immediately personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, for me, it didn't click immediately. I'd say um, I did take a break and I agree with pretty much everything you said about the the script style. I, I My only comment on it is like, it sucks that we can't have our cake and eat it too when it comes to that kind of thing, because I know that I, if I was developing a game and I wanted to have this, I had this cool idea about like unique manuscript font styles for each individual character to like, it's such a good idea, but like in practice, it just, it just doesn't work as well as we want it to, which is a shame. Um, It's an exceptional idea. And we're not, we're not, I'm not even critiquing the execution. It's just for me, that was hard to read. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're playing Mario and you're like, man, I wish this was multiplayer. Wouldn't that be so much fun? And then you play multiplayer Mario. You're like, oh my god, this is horrible. This yeah, is so yeah. bad. Um, it's it, yeah, uh, great, great idea. We kind of got I, in. In my opinion, it's one of those things where you get what you want, and you just you realize that you don't quite like what you want, um, kind of. But I think for initial thoughts with the game, and and yeah, you know, so when when did it click? I think it took a couple hours for me. Um, you know, you get dropped in the middle of the world um, playing as Andreas Mailer um, inside of this world. And you're not quite sure who you are yet. And then as soon as your first real big choices kind of come up, is is it clicking? Is around the first hour, maybe maybe hour and a half of the game, um, which is when you make your decisions on your background, um, what you studied in college, where you went, um, I believe like where you're from too or where you studied. Um, and these are sort of like background stories that organically get chosen uh, through dialogue choices in this game. So, for instance, you meet the first victim of the first murder, um, the Baron, the local Baron, and you're from out of town. So he's asking you questions like, oh, what did you study in university? And you get to choose a path, right? It's like four or five different things that you study in the university. And those different things actually have very large implications for dialogue choices in the game. They feel like large choices and they are large choices in the game. And like, there's a lot of unique dialogue that comes out because I chose to be esoteric and study like the dark arts in college. What did, what did you pick, Matt? Yeah, I was, well, there, you pick your, like what you did during your travels, you pick what you studied. I was um, like logic. So like law. Me too. And then law, law and then, I did like the alchemy as well, actually. So, you know, I probably had pretty similar yeah, yeah. Did you options in that regard. 
No, I went to I want to say Italy. Oh, okay. I went and to then guy myself. I was a hedonist, is how they called it. So I was just a big partier. Which oh, nice, nice. Led to some pretty fun dialogue. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think that was a really cool way to present with the choices. Because um, you know, I recently played Fallout. Right. I, I recently played Fallout Three on my Steam Deck, which, by the way, I'll have a Steam Deck update shortly. I did send it in for repairs. Just so, just so the audience. Yeah, what's we'll the ETA on that bad boy? It's still out. I, yeah, I sent in like last week. We'll see, we'll see if it comes back this week. But yeah, it's it's uh, still kind of broken. Um, not my fault. The screen sucks and was not built right. And I sent it in, and it's covered under warranty, so it's all good. But um, that's neither here nor there. Um, <clears throat> oh man, this game would have been so much better if I played it on Steam Deck because I have so many. I was jealous Xbox you could play it on Steam. Deck, I know. Honestly, I have so many issues with what the the Xbox version. I'm going to go into that in nitpicks, so we'll save that a little bit for later. Um, but. Uh, what was I talking about? The, oh, yeah. I played Fallout 3 recently on Steam Deck. And like just the the level of like subtlety and organicness that comes out to choosing a pathway for yourself as a character in something like a Pentiment is so the opposite of what you do in something like a Fallout, where it's practically just like you're given like a book, you know, and it's like kind of the stat, like this, the path that you choose for yourself is kind of hidden, but it's also very obvious. Whereas Pentiment, it just feels for some reason like better like it just feels like a little like quicker like the the choices don't feel like oh my god the whole game is going to be different if i just pick this path it it feels like i i chose a good path i don't feel like i missed out on a bunch of stuff because i went a certain way which is sort of the curse of these kinds of games or these kinds of choices that you end up making for yourself i think this just had that good line on it uh this this just like i picked this path i don't feel like i missed anything um, and I, I don't I feel like I missed out on anything is what I should say. So that's a big that's a big plus. Yeah, I think the reason that works so well compared to maybe some other games is just what what your choices really do is it informs the dialogue. It doesn't inform the options available to you per se. You know, it's not the gameplay. It's not the gameplay because the, really the whole the whole game the gameplay in this essentially is talking, barring a few very simple puzzles. You know. Um, so by informing just your dialogue, it creates just more overall organic experience where you are able to also get more attached to your character as well. Because you're like, oh, this is the backstory I created now because I went to these unique places. I have all these insights versus another game where like, I don't know, you like in Fallout, you set your stats or whatever at the beginning and you're like a handyman and then, or I don't know, I forget how Fallout works exactly. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> you're pigeonholed into like You're these, kind of pigeonholed, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you pigeonhole yourselves into a play style, whereas here all you're doing is opening up dialogue options and shutting off some others potentially. Yeah, I, I um, think it's a masterful switch where it feels, it's very low stakes, but it it's not at the same time where it's not going to change the core mechanics of the game at all. Uh, you're not going to be cut off from anything. It's just things can be a little bit more interesting. And I would love to see what dialogue choices would have come up if I studied something else, if I had different origination. Um, I think it would have been pretty cool. I, 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 it makes me excited for a second playthrough if, never, if another playthrough is ever done for this game. Yeah, I want to get to it. But going into the story and the story design a little bit. Oh, man, is this game Catholic. Hot dog. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I I don't really practice religion anymore these days, but growing up, I grew up in a pretty uh, Catholic household. I did the whole confirmation and everything. I did um, 
communion, all that good stuff all through oh, high school. Oh, I didn't school. know you did that too. Yeah, yeah, did all that good stuff growing up. Also, knock on wood, my hiccups are gone, boys. All right, yeah. <laughs> that was a fun little saga. But yeah, so I grew up in a very Catholic household and seeing how this... It, it was very interesting to see how the... Um, kind of, I guess, how it was all done back then, per se. And, you know, seeing the simple, even a simple tradition of saying grace, um, you know, bless us, thy Lord, these are gifts which about to receive from thy bounty through Christ the Lord. Amen. I said that every night before I ate dinner with my family. <laughs> um, Same here. And just seeing that played through in every meal at the game was just kind of like, huh, this feels oddly warm and kind of nostalgic <laughs> I, yeah weirdly right weirdly. um and hearing about like martin luther or the reformation things that are, like are being you know literature being more widespread because of the printing press things like that is just so so interesting and you know what, what's really special about this game that i think makes it such a standout and probably like a 10 out of 10 for ign in particular is when, you know, when when you're playing a choice-driven game, whether that's something like Detroit Become Human, Until Dawn, Heavy Rain, um, hell, even The Walking Dead, right? And actually, I'll say for the most part, only other, one other game does this well, what I'm about to describe, um, and that's Oxenfree, which I think is another reason I like Oxenfree so much. But what Pentiment does that's different from all those ones I just mentioned is when when you're picking a choice, whether that is how you do your dialogue, you know, what your, you pick your origins are or who you choose to blame the murder on or who you choose to investigate. There is no clear better choice. There's no clear right answer. There's like no clear right, right answer. answer. For example, in heavy rain, if you pick something wrong, you might get your character killed or you might get someone else killed that didn't need to die. Um, whereas, and Pentiment, you might accuse someone of murder, but you'll never know if that was the right person to die. You can only do your due diligence, collect evidence where you have, see fit to collect evidence because you're on a time, you know, it's, you have limited time each day to collect evidence. And then you just kind of have to use your deductions to say, ah, I think this is probably the person that did it. And then you live with those consequences. And why that is so effective, I think, is it's more akin to real life, right? Yeah. Wow. You know, you and it, deep on it. <laughs> well, think, I mean, think about like why that, cause I, I was, I was really thinking about it because there's so many games that offer some sort of like morality choices, you know, or kind of multiple choices, but like one clearly may have more benefits. One choice may clearly have more benefits than others, or even things as simple as like fallout three, like either you nuke it or you don't right? Megaton, whatever that place mm -hmm. is called. Yeah, yeah. And both have very clear effects, but the choices in, Pentiment. Oh, this is crazy. I'm saying this out loud. They don't clearly affect the game in any way, per se, other than right. like dialogues later on. But because they have no clear effect, because because in a way, it seems like it doesn't matter. That's what makes it matter. See, I'm I'm like I'm kind of on the opposite end on that one a little bit. Because okay, uh, we'll go into spoiler territory officially. Like the end of Act One. There's three acts of this game. The first act is trying to find out who killed the Baron. The second act is um, trying to find out who killed another guy, like seven years later, I believe. Yeah. And the third act is playing as a 
another character 20 years later trying to recount the history of the town and create a mural based on the history of the town. So the events of the first act and the second act actually play into the, quote, history of this town um, that you're trying to kind of uncover as the third character. In the first act, um, the way my choices went, the way my playthrough went, there's three people I could have accused. Um, and I accused someone. Okay, so this I had a little bit of interesting playthrough because my save files kept getting corrupted because the Xbox One version is so trash. So my first playthrough, I blamed Lucky, okay? The family man, I think he is a mason, um, and he was executed. He got his head chopped off, right? Then there was uh, the widow who, I forget her name. And there was the widow who you could also accuse. And there was, I believe, Father Thomas you could accuse. No. One of the one of the fathers or one of the brothers. And right. then you could have also accused Martin, I think. Right, right. Um, so there's like people you can, you can accuse. I did, uh, I chose Lucky, killed him. My, I went through like the next 30 minutes and like got some choices and something happened. And then my save file just got corrupted and didn't work. And it kicked me back to the beginning of that or the end of act one. So instead I chose to kill the widow or I chose to accuse her and then she was murdered or executed, excuse me. Um, and the dialogue choices at the beginning of the second act or the, the kind of setup at the beginning of the second act didn't actually change depending on who I killed. And like, I just felt like the payoff was probably somewhere is just way, way down the line. And then as I played through act three, and then unfortunately where my game eventually did crash fully and put me in a really, a safe state I couldn't break through in the last hour of the game because Xbox one is so awful. I had to look up the ending. We'll get into that in the nitpick section. I, I just don't think there was a difference whether I killed Lucky or whether I had the Widow killed. Uh, and I don't know if that played a role later, um, but I think whether it plays a role or not, I would not know because of the nature of divergent storytelling in a game like this, right? Like I have, like whether Lucky died, whether Lucky died or didn't die, I don't think ended up mattering in either case. And I don't think that made my choice of that happening matter. And I, it's weird. It's unique for me because I made both choices. Does that make sense? It's like, it's kind of a mute point for me, from you almost, because like, because of a game bug, you, you made both choices. But I mean, okay, to, so to further elaborate on your point, I am, you know, so you got maybe 20 minutes after you killed Lucky, then you had to revert back, right? Yeah. And the only difference I, between that was, uh, like Lucky's uh, widow will come up to you and say something. And if you killed the widow, no one comes up to you and says anything. And then if there was some other divergent stuff down the line, I, I didn't see it. And there's no way you saw it either because you killed one person and you had one save. That's my point. I don't get it. Have you not played you, a, a game like this before? No, no. This is my problem with games like this in general is like okay. there's, there's always a degree of some there's you don't know what's behind door number two. So door number two doesn't like the stuff behind door number two, therefore does not exist for you. Well, so in a way, that mystery of door number two got broken for you. But yeah. to be fair, you didn't even get to really fully explore door number one. Because for me, throughout my playthrough, I had killed one of the brothers. I was constantly having the brothers being like, Andreas, like, what the fuck? Like, mm. kind of like, you know, giving me shit. And then I guarantee you had I, because you can also actually accuse one of the sisters of having killed the, the first guy um, and get them executed. And I guarantee you, had I done that, 
none of those sisters would have probably like really been that cooperative with me moving forward, right? Or really would have worked with me or at the very least would have shown me a lot of disdain. I probably would have got more. But you don't know if that's true. Yeah, but oh, this is, I don't even know how to argue with it. That, that's, that's what I'm saying is like, there's just, you just go like, the, the problem with a storytelling game like this is like, we can postulate on what one thing would have given you, but you didn't get that thing. So you're, you kind of just say like, it just becomes a game of what if that happened and you don't even know that it, it just kind of creates a necessity for a second playthrough, which you're, you're just going to either prove your point or not. I don't know. It just doesn't like make, it just doesn't make it feel that like interesting to me. I, I didn't dislike this game. I, I want to. So put if Penta, if this game was more of just a very clear like mystery adventure where you had to piece together the clear one person that did it, and more like almost Phoenix Wright, where like it kind of corrects you if you make the wrong deductions, would you have liked it better? I I don't know actually. Um, I mean, I'm not like I'm not here to hate on the game. I'm just saying that like the I don't find it interesting to to postulate on choices that I didn't make. I don't find that interesting. Do you find that interesting? I do. Because I mean, I think that makes the game more like real life, more realistic. And in a way, in this particular experience, you kind of had the magic broken for you because like we said, you had to reload your save. But yeah, that, yeah, I did a little bit of a different, I had another challenge there, so. But I mean, I, I think a game like this where you really just play through it without like, because what's great about this too is it, I mean, obviously this might be part of the reason your game got broken, but um, like it does auto save, right? So you can even do the thing typically where you like, make a choice and like reload a say like you might do in Skyrim or Fallout I like or whatever, that. right? Like, I like that. Yeah. It just it, it just pushes you along the road that you chose. And, you know, I mean, my whole, I mean, just to get, you know, I don't think it would have changed. It might have, it might have not, but the way things went down, I mean, like the ending of Act 2, right? Ending of Act 2 was crazy. Um, yeah. Spoiler alert, the Abbey yeah. burns down. Um, but the ways you get there are different. Um, I think depending on the choices you make, but you know, at the end of act two, um, the Abbey burns down and Andreas spoiler alert seemingly dies before he ends up coming back in act three, which really shocked me. Actually, I thought it was a really good twist. Um, but you know, when that was all happening, I was like, Oh my God, could I have done anything differently? Right. And that, that wonder, could I have done anything differently? Add so much more value to me in a game than Kratos deciding. Yeah, deciding. Is, I'm just gonna like fucking kill someone anyway. I knew you. I knew. And I'm using God of War. It's the most recent game, other game we played. I know. That's I know. What, I know. Yeah. Um, or I mean, fuck any other game that we played that you know. I don't know. It came th Killer Seven. Like to me, that's more interesting. I mean, Killer Seven had a very good story, but like. As a general overall rule, that instilling that sense of wonder to me makes the game more interesting than a very simple linear storyline. Yeah, you, that's why I love games like Outer Worlds. I love games like Fallout New Vegas. I love Oxenfree. Yeah. I love Telltale. To be and you know what? To be fair, like a lot of those games, of Pentiment, I'm pretty sure as well. So I love Heavy Rain too. <laughs> love Heavy Rain. Um, <laughs> a lot of these games, like they do, ultimately lead to the same ending, but depending on the choices you make, like the way that people feel about you will be different. The way the story plays out and the, to get to that destination will be different. Right? Like, and honestly, ironically, maybe some of the games that do diverge from that pretty well are actually fucking Intel Dawn or, um, what's another one? 
the other one we just we just played um cory ori um i know we haven't done it for the podcast but detroit become human does a pretty good job of actually giving you different endings and stuff but you know i i don't hate a game for i don't knock a game for giving me that wonder of what else could have happened right I think that's I, a really cool thing that games can do. See, I think that's just where where we really differ. I'm not I'm not defending like a God of War story versus like this. I I do I do enjoy both to a certain degree. And to be and fair, I, I just mentioned I was, any linear story. Yeah, yeah. Is any, what I'm I know. About. And, and yeah. On rails, you would prefer that a video game take advantage of its medium of action and interactivity to give you yeah. a divergent storytelling experience where you make decisions that may or may not impact the results of what happened at the end, but that may or may not is fun for you. The may or may not part. Cause that's, that's the li- life baby. Like we don't know how the things I, are going to do. Yeah. But like, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm not, it's I, sick, right? I, it, it is, it is cool. Like I, I think Pentiment I does it well. I think Pentiment does it well. Um, I think that heavy rain did it poorly. Right. So there's a big spectrum of like decision-making divergent story games and there's good and there's bad and there's everything in between. I think Pentiment's on the good side, but I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of it generally, just because I think, I think the enjoyment of Pentiment for me was just the general organic dialogues and moving through the story in a nice way, and not really feeling like I'm missing out on a ton of stuff. Right? Like Heavy Rain, like was really really rough for me because you just like you said like your choices of good or bad are very clearly laid out if it was a bad choice or something that you shouldn't have said or done or whatever whereas in pentiment it's hidden well enough that you're not quite sure if you made the right choice but then the abbey burns down and then you go okay well there's no way this was an avoidable thing this is a huge story beat what like i i just feel like it there's this cursed problem with these kinds of divergent storytelling games where they the story has to diverge on something and all the choices you make become somewhat invalidated because the abbey still burns down. Was there is there a way to play this game without the abbey burning down? And if there is, if there is, like, if there isn't, then the choices become less valuable. Do you know what I mean? Because there's a possibility that you cannot avoid despite all the choices you can make. That's weird. Oh, no, I, I don't know, man. Are you? Are you predetermined or uh that's that's where I thought this game was gonna go because of all the talk about God, but it didn't go there and I'm sad. Um I, it would have been cool if it went there in some ways, I, but I, I thought there for all the talk about God, I thought there was gonna be a little bit more about like how certain things are unavoidable by God. There's a little bit of it, but I think there could have been a little bit maybe I feel like the game could have used a little bit more. But do you see my do you see what I'm saying? Is like it's you got a whole universe of choices and then the Abbey burns down. You have a whole universe of choices and then this guy dies. So what was the point of all those choices to just get there, get from point A to point B with a different path? I mean, again, just to like, I, I think the point of those choices is just to make you wonder how else it could have happened or, you know, even if all the choices still ultimately lead to the Abbey burning down or Andreas dying or whoever dying, why does it still lead that way, right? What is so impactful in this world that is moving it still on that line, even though there's small different um, divots in the line that are different? That's what's interesting to me. Do you feel FOMO uh, like on certain choices that you make in this game? Like, did you go, oh, like I shouldn't have said that. Do you, did you say that to yourself a lot? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. 
And you and you 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 find that to be a fun. That's a fun mechanic in a game. That's a fun thought for you. Yeah, because it's it makes you wonder. And while you're playing it, you don't know like if things are going to be different or not. You know. Yeah. And even if, like I said, even if it ultimately does, that how you get there is still different, and that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm willing to bet you and I probably experienced the same things in this game. We just maybe had a little bit of a different chuckle and a different line from a different character, but virtually we had the same playthrough. I mean, we probably investigated different people. I know you killed different people than I did, um, but so like you- the people we talked to and the experiences are different. Right, but like ultimately, someone got executed at the end of Act One, and the Abbey yeah. burned down in Act Two. Who'd you kill in Act One? Um, I think it was Father Frank. For not, not the Father Prior. For one of the brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. Pro- prior friend, Frenick or Fenric or whatever. Um, I killed the widow. Like that's the choice that I ended up moving forward on. And then the Abbey burned down in the end of Act Two. Um, but like, was our playthrough really different? Like truly different, or did we just like? Did you just have like a fun dialogue? Now you're able to have some dialogue with the widow in Act Two because I didn't, you didn't kill her in Act Two. You know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. I think it's just different strokes for different folks. <laughs> it's just like the reward that you get for making another choice is that you get a little bit of a dialogue tree somewhere that like <sighs> it, it it doesn't seem. I mean, like that's a- that's. I think that's more interesting than being on a real on a linear train. Do you like movies? I do, but I don't expect a movie to take advantage of a technology it doesn't have. No, I'm just saying like an on-rails experience is not a bad thing. It's, it's just... not, but like I said, a movie can't, <laughs> barring like something like Bandersnatch, obviously, with Netflix's Bandersnatch. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like I like that in a video game because that's something a video game can do. It doesn't ha- A video game is not constrained to like, not giving you a choice. The video game can give you a choice. Yeah, but the That's, Abbey burned down. So we didn't have a choice. That's But how you got there was a choice. But the Abbey burned down. You're not listening <laughs> to me. <laughs> how you get there is I, a choice. But like but like the the result is the same. So like there is right. no control. You There's go no tell control. you go tell control. the devs at Obsidian to write three different games. All That's, right? That's my you point. Would, you can't. You won't. The result will be the same. For no no matter what you do in this video game, we're gonna have ver- we're gonna have essentially the same thing. So like, why like? Because it's interesting. All right, but we're... you didn't see the other choices, and that's why it's interesting. So something you didn't experience. The mystery is interesting. Is interesting. The wondering what could have happened is interesting. Hot Mickey, where do you fall on this? Yeah, break this, please. Then we can move on. And and fifteen seconds. Give me your your quick abridged thoughts. Uh, I I think even with it, like you get the same result, but find like a different path to get there. I think that's fine. Like I I'm more signing with Matt here, which like I think the ju- it's more about the journey and not about the end result. Matt Mickey is not the judge and jury of this whole thing. You don't have to pump <laughs> your chest. Thank you, Mickey, for your input. We Thank appreciate you. it. I don't know. I feel like most of you guys all disagree with me. So I don't know. I'd love to hear what y'all think in the Discord too, as well. So go join that if you haven't already. But I liked this game. I just, like, just, just I liked this game, Matt. I don't know what to tell you. I know we're, we're yeah. talking about a more just like general. I know we're splitting hairs. Yeah, thing. I know yeah. we're splitting hairs. Moving on, like, moving yeah. on, because we were talking in circles for a hot minute there. Wow, we're forty-eight minutes. Yeah, in. we're like, we're far in. Yeah, um, just a little bit more on story, really quickly, and just kind of characters in general. 
Obsidian's great at writing. All the characters were interesting and fun and quirky for the most part. Um, I loved the backstory with Andreas, um, with his wife and his child and everything else about him. And when he, when I, when I, when he did seemingly die in that fire, I was genuinely upset. Mm-hmm. I was, I felt like it's I had developed an attachment to Andreas and I was very upset when he died. And then when I later found out Casper actually died, um, and that's that, that Casper can actually live. That is something that can change in the game. But when I did find out he died, I was pretty upset about that. Um, but I, I thought it was just, you know, each character being built out with its own unique, in many ways, having their own like wants and just seeing it all built out and then played out in this 1500s Bavarian town was just so fascinating. Um, and, and seeing like the Catholic overtone influence everything mm-hmm. was just so fun. And like, the backstories of the characters are so fleshed out too. Like I forget, uh, I think it's like Ed, Sister Etna or Edna or something. Like one of the she sisters sold. sold. Like one yeah. of the sisters of the Abbey was literally just sold there. She's like, yeah, I don't want to fucking be here, but I don't really have a choice. You know, little things like that are just yeah. And then like, like expanding that. and learning about that. Um, yeah, they largely did a very good job of building out the cast of characters. Yeah. What one thing that's really cool too is the game has this mechanic where uh, keywords like glossary words are underlined. And you could push a button and you can learn what that word means. And like yeah. a lot of the words are actual historical like things, right? It'll be like um, some character will say something like, oh, yeah, did you hear about like the theses that Martin, Lu- Martin Luther nailed to the church? And then Martin Luther will be underlined and you can hit a button and now you can learn a quick blurb about Martin Luther if you didn't know who that was, right? And yeah. you're like... Oh, whoa, this game is actually taking into account historical context. I can actually learn something from this game that applies in the real world. Um, And the game does that quite a bit. It does that almost in every single dialogue that you have where it's like, oh, here's an ancient Roman aqueduct right here on aqueducts underlined. Oh, yeah. Let's learn about what an aqueduct is. Right. And really really quickly. Yeah. And really quickly as well. I I should have explained this probably better in the beginning. So I apologize for not because we talk about it a lot in Abbey is like a monastery basically that houses members of a religious group in this case Catholicism um, and this houses nuns and like the brothers who are essentially monks of the church mm-hmm. um, and they all live there and just you know worship God and in this case it also serves as like a governing um, you know a governing a local figure governance like body for, for the city of Tassing that reports to the abbot and essentially um, you know yeah, like Lucas just said, it, it is the government essentially of the the city and they collect taxes and all that. And a big core part of the story, one of the driving forces is the citizens, the peasants not being happy with um, taxes, with the abbot imposed taxes and, yeah, mostly with the yeah. taxes. Yeah. Did you did you go hunting with the Miller? That was an interesting. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so one of the choices you get as a part of your investigation is to go hunt with um, the Millers, the owner of the the city's town's mill, and he kind of. I think there's some like philosophical like word like for this like way of thinking. I forget what it is, but maybe it's capitalism. Maybe <laughs> I think it's exactly. It's cap- probably is capitalism, but. 
he basically like th- this guy that is the mill who is you know one of the more rich people in this town is basically saying like oh man i fucking hate all these peasants like they need to be told what to do they need to have something to worship just to even be able to function and to live and to hear that like so you know like verbally explained and played out i thought was kind of um interesting and it you know I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of people that thought like that back then you know that like oh these idiots have to have whatever right or they have to have order you know it's like uh like loki and captain america or in avengers right where he's like oh these people need me to rule them it's that kind of thing right um and i don't know i i think that's kind of like a through line throughout a lot of history people with that mentality and seeing that played out in the 1500s bavaria is yeah. um it was interesting and, I- yeah, I think it's because like you don't think about the peasants thing. a lot, right? Like when you think when you probably learn about I never think about peasants, right? When you probably life. yeah, yeah, no, but seriously, like <laughs> when, 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 you, when you learn about things in school, right? Like the, you know, way back then, medieval times, 1500s, whatever. You're learning about the royalties of that time. You're learning about King Louis and King George the first and King Fuckface, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Like queen, whoever you're not learning about the peasants at the time and like what their day to day lives were. Um, yeah. Which was interesting. Yeah, this, and then, this is the best in modern media. Probably the best representation of like as realistic, except for the style, like the style, like except for the way the slang and the dialogue actually functions in the game. Like no one's speaking as if they're actually in the 15th century or the 16th century for the most part. They're kind of talking like regular people, like you and me. Um, otherwise, the yeah. game would kind of be pr- pretty hard to understand. Yeah. Um, that's not a nitpick. It's just don't expect authentic 1500s like words and actual words and dialogue in this game. But yeah, this is yeah. such a great representation of like the way a person who makes bread in a village in 1525 might have felt. Um, they might have got felt like they were getting screwed by the taxes imposed on them by the local governance. They might have felt like the miller was charging them too much to mill the wheat for the bread. And they had a wife and a son that died when he was like three, you know, it's like, like these, like they don't pull punches when it comes to like, Oh, I'm sorry that my letter didn't reach you. It snowed. Like, I'm sorry that I never wrote back about your dead son and wife. Like I was in Spain. Like, it's like very like clearly like the realities of this world are displayed and very much like central to the way the conflict of this game. And like, I think what's really cool staying on story is the final thing that happens is you're dra- you're creating a mural as the third character in the game in the third act. And you could either choose to kind of have like a more Roman-esque approach to it because the town is built on Roman ruins. And what you learn is that the church reappropriated many like local myths, pagan myths and Roman myths to fit the narrative of the Catholic church in the region. And like you learn that this certain miracle that happened, I don't know if you got this one, Matt, but a certain like miracle that happened according to the church in that area, the myth of that miracle actually dates back to Roman or pagan era. And it's like a thousand Mm -hmm. years older than what the church says. So there's this like kind of like push and pull of the church having control over certain things um, and reappropriating ancient myth and story to fit their needs of control, which is what the Miller talks about when you go hunting with him, which I find very, very cool. Um, Cause they're like able to instill the themes throughout dialogue choices that you have. This is the game at its best hundred um, percent. When like, you're actually like talking to real, feels like you're talking to real people about real problems that they're having and like going like, man, motherfuckers charging us so much just to mill the wheat. We got to like kill them. 
<laughs> it's like, I know, right? and I'm yeah. like, yeah, I think you should. I think you should really kill this guy. I, I'm not, I don't like him either. Um, also, Hot Mickey, can you please look up when guns were invented? Because it's 1525 and this man has a rifle. I just don't, I'm not smart enough to know if that was historically accurate. Matt, do you know? Uh, first ran in China around AD 1000. By the yeah, end of the 13th yeah. century, they what? had become true guns. Guns that technology existed? spread throughout Eurasia during the 14th century. Oh my God. Wow. So, really quickly. They, they, um, they did the research. Dang. On the topic of paganism, is that like what's on display in Midsommar? Is paganism? Paganism is like the worship of like, um, it's like nature. nature. Right? Yeah. It's like the worship of like nature or spirits derived from nature um, and things like that. Midsommar is a good example of paganism. I'd so like say, Princess yeah. Mononoke. Yeah. But like paganism. Uh, so paganism also it's tricky because it has like a negative connotation because like Basically, pagan is sort of a catch-all that the Catholic Church used for a long time to say anybody who doesn't, you know, worship believe God. Believe yeah. Doesn't believe in God, you know? Like, well, there was Jewish folks back then or, you know, right. Muslims. Yeah. So they weren't pagans, but it's like if there was a hierarchy of belief systems, then paganism is certainly at the bottom of, of yeah. all of those, you know? So it's like there's there's a lot of really good historical context in here. There's a lot of really good reality in this game. Like, harsh reality. Like, my fucking son died like when he was three and you never wrote the letter and you're a piece of shit for that. Like that's like an actual dialogue that happens in the game. And like you have to kind of finesse your way around that that dialogue tree. And I thought that was like one of the coolest things for sure. Um, I like this game, Matt. Don't 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 <laughs> make that face at me. I'm just uh, smiling. <laughs> you want to talk about art style? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Um Art style. I loved it. Um, I, I thought it was really cool. You know, uh, such a, a big part of the game, too. And just to kind of add more context, you know, the oh, I, we did talk about manuscripts, never mind. But the the game is the style of the game. The art style is essentially the art style that you would find if you're looking at a manuscript. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that they, they did was really interesting was for the older characters in the game, they actually put them in the game and drew them and like colored them in a way that is more accurate to like how it would look in a manuscript. And then for the newer characters that were being born, I don't know if you picked up on this, Lucas. Yeah. It was actually designed in a way that was more akin to what things would look like if it was a printing press. Yeah, I noticed um, that. So the little details like that, I loved. Um, you know, I thought it just... It, it was such a... I never played a game in that style and I thought it was such a unique way to explore a game. And given like the themes around the game of Catholicism, you know, the scriptorium, you're writing, creating manuscripts, all of that. Um, I thought it was so fitting for the game style to be based off of that. And then, you know, we, it wasn't for us really, but I still think giving each character a unique font based off like their social status was so, I, thought, I think that was a really just unique design choice and done very well because if the trapped you into that, that would have been kind of lame. And then, you know, also giving me the option to read out of it is important because, you know, people like not everyone's going to want to read like that. Um, yeah. It was kind of interesting. I, I was looking at Reddit just to see the general vibe of how many people looked at it or read it with that font, how many people didn't. From what, at least anecdotally, a lot of people actually read it with, with the font with the, or with um, without easy read on, which I thought was surprising because mm-hmm. I would have expected more people were lazy like you and I and just, uh, Turn my it, eyes, turn it out, turn the easy font on. My eyes just ain't ain't what they used to be, man. I just like it just hurts after a while. Yeah, we're getting old, but yeah. no, I loved it. I, I think the unique 
way of like making like a printing press more is great. And um, kind of just getting to explore that word a little bit. Cause I, I didn't, not, not to say it's all historically accurate, obviously, but just to like explore like what a manuscript may have looked like. And even just the design of like the pause menu or the glossary being the manuscript. I don't know. Right, I loved it all. Right, right. It was yeah, great. There's, there's this really cool thing that they do where like, if you like um, want to read the journal in the game or you want to like um, look at one of those special underlined words, you click the button and the camera zooms out and you're like in the book. So the game kind of takes place stylistically within a book. And when you open up your journal, it is literally a book. And then when you want to skip to another page in the journal, you're literally flipping a page. So it's all very stylized in that sort of way. So there's like clearly a lot of love there in like the manuscript games about manuscripts feels like a manuscript. Some of the characters literally look like manuscripts, all that good stuff. I'd say the art style is at its best when it's doing dramatic things, murals, landscapes, surrealism. Um, there's like a couple of dream sequences in the game that I think are very wonderful in terms of art style. Um, and I think the art style is at its worst um, when like you're just indoors in a house. <laughs> Sometimes I think some of that stuff like just didn't look all the best. I like kind of monotonous in a way. Um, I think the church looked pretty good inside, um, but there's a lot of spending time indoors in houses talking to people and it kind of is not not at its best, I think, then. But that's just a little nitpick on some of the environmental design. Um, the landscapes like being in the forest rocked. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, Running in the meadow between the Golden Hand Inn and uh, the church. Loved that. Loved that. But for some reason, just didn't like being in the houses. Just felt, just didn't feel good. But maybe that's how it felt back then. Yeah. All righty. Sound design. So I'll jump, I'll jump in here. I, it's, it's a very naturalistic type of sound design, I think, in the game. Um, when you're in the town, you kind of hear the sounds of the town. Um, and when you're having dialogue choices with people, they're sort of like the background of the town with what's going on. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and to be honest, in terms of the music, barring a few very special moments like climax, like the, you know, church burning down or, you know, just dramatic scenes that may happen. I don't think any tracks really hit super hard for me. Like I don't remember any significant like tracks that I would go to and listen to. Um, I like the title screen music and it's generally done in a pretty, you know, of the time style. I'm not sure. Harpsichord. Is that what it is, Matt? One more time. Kind of thing. It's like a harp, harpsichord, like, I don't know, like old style, you know, 1500s, 1600s, like musical instrument type of thing. Yeah. Um, not going to find any like electric guitars is what I'm saying. Um, so it's relevant to the time and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. The tracks didn't really stick super out or hit me super hard just throughout the regular gameplay. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of points too, where sometimes tracks aren't even playing. Like you might just hear background noise. Mm -hmm. So to your, to your point, I think they are actually pretty careful where they do choose to use the music. Um, so I can, the music that they do use though is really good. I loved the soundtrack and even just beyond the soundtrack, the little things like, Oh, when you're going between or choosing between dialogue, it makes a little page flipping sound mm -hmm. kind of keeping with the manuscript theme or as dialogue is written, it sounds like it's being written on, you know, paper with like pen and paper or pencil and paper, or whatever. Um, and God, the chanting in the church from the brothers. Yeah, so good. That was cool. So, so, like so that. good. Or the singing um, from that one guy that would sing in the church. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I get what you're saying that I didn't really stick with you. And I think that's just cause you used it very tastefully rather than throwing it in your face consistently. 
Okay, I feel that. I'll, I'll take that one. Um, one thing I did like about sound design, I had a note here, is um, like, I don't know if you picked up on it, but for um, Magdalene and her dad, their dialogue, when it's when it comes, like the sound is a printing press. And then for other folks, it's writing. Um, like it sounds like page writing. So when a dialogue... Oh, I didn't notice when that. When yeah. a speech bubble pops up for almost every character in the game, the sound effect that plays is like a pen on paper. And then for the, the family that actually runs the printing press, it's actually a printing press sound effect for when they speak. Um, and that's pretty cool. So I picked up on that. I thought that was awesome. You didn't, I didn't really pick up on it until Act 3 because there's so much dialogue with Mag and she's the printing press's daughter. Um, so... Very cool. Um, little things like that, little touches, um, really, really bring it up quite a bit. Yeah, loved it. Um, all right, NPC award. Yeah, you want? I'll, I'll go. I'll take. I'll take it. Um, and I'm doing this because he didn't. He didn't die. He died, but then he didn't actually really die in my playthrough. I'm gonna go with Lucky. Uh, really? I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying this because his death is. Um, I think your death was pretty, your execution was pretty rough, huh? It was like violent. Yeah, because my guy like kind of squirmed. He was really trying to avoid it. So it took a few hacks. So the guy wasn't able to get it cleanly. Oh, man, that is, that is yeah. rough. See, so Lucky is clean right off. Just, he was just like, yep, kill me. I didn't yeah. do it. I didn't do it. The Lord will, will have a place for me in heaven. Just fucking kill me. And then his just head just gets chopped off and like, yeah, I, I I appreciate Lucky for that. And then when my save file got all messed up and I got to go back, I killed the widow instead. And I was like, you know, Lucky, you're good. I, I looked you, up you the strangler, like didn't they? So yeah, I don't know why they did that. That was yeah. so bad. There must be some historical context around that. Yeah, um, you strangle women and you behead men. Yeah. Execution. yeah. How, how, Mickey, look that one up in the yeah, 1500s Bavaria. How they, yeah, how, how did 1500s people? Bavarian executioners kill women versus men? Um, yeah, but for context, everyone, they pulled out like a, basically like a, literally like a, like a hitman thing that you would use to choke someone out to, um, to kill the woman for whatever reason in that. Cause they, I saw if you killed the, or if you accused the sister, she was also executed in the same manner. So I thought that was kind of odd. Strangulation, man. That is rough. Yeah. Um, who you going with? <sighs> Casper, man. It has uh, to be Casper. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. I, I, I loved know. Casper. Um, he's, he's kind of a Muppet for me. Like, he just kind of walked around with me the whole time and just said, like, uh, yeah. Sound, sounds like you didn't appreciate him and you didn't, I didn't. challenge him to I do better. I didn't. Uh, no, I loved Casper, man. I thought he was so fun, like, kind of questioning Andres here and there, like, is this the right thing to do? Like, almost looking at him as his moral guidance compass. And then I love the dynamic because depending on how you choose to play it, like, Andreas clearly sees Casper as like a son, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's even brought up later on in the game, which I don't think maybe you didn't get to play this part, Lucas, because your game bug crashing, but there's parts too, where Andreas basically has dream sequences where his dead wife show up, his dead son show up. Um, or his wife's not dead. Oh, for, I waited to explain this very well, but his wife, he, he had a son, basically everyone between acts one and act two, and that son was killed during in his wife, which was like an arranged marriage. He essentially becomes estranged from her after that, because you can only think of his son when he sees her. Mm -hmm. um, I think the son just got sick. Very sad. 
Um, but anyway, in a dream sequence on the end when these show up, Casper also shows up, which I really appreciate it because it really like shows he truly did think of Casper as, you know, as a son and, and family, which I loved. And yeah, big, uh, big Casper fan. Um, yeah. Companion piece pick. You, you go first. My, I feel like mine's not that great, but you, you go ahead. I picked the Bible. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. My, yours is so much better than mine. Um, wow. I think it's pretty obvious. Just like, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of this world and the way this world operates is, is, you know, influenced pretty heavily by Catholicism and Christianity at large. So I think the Bible is a, a good gateway drug into all that. <laughs> I mean, it is the drug, the but, drug. Yeah. For that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, go ahead, Mickey. I can't find shit. <laughs> wow, really? I, I I don't know how I'm supposed to like search it on Google in order to find the answer. I just want. just Google how to strangle a woman. You know, just something just something zany like that. I think you know, there's no chance you're gonna get oh, on any yeah, list. There's no that, chance yeah. I'm gonna get on any list. Right? The hiccups are back. Oh no. I I'll just I'll hit my companion piece pick and then we could jump to a uh, favorite moment. Um the Da Vinci Code. Why? <laughs> I'm not going to elaborate. We could just move on from there. All right. That's fine. Um, all right. Favorite moment. Abby burning down, hands down. Yeah. When that too. was happening, I was that so was cool. shook. Me too. Me too. Probably the high point of the game, I would say. Such an emotionally fueled moment. Just the dread from Andreas. The dread of like Andreas seemingly dying. Um, so, so good. I genuinely thought he was dead. Yeah. I did too. It's it's yeah. it's genuinely a really good um like you know kind of middle climax for the whole story because like mm-hmm. you basically like somebody gets accused. There's a fire. You like kill Lenhart and his person who he's having an affair. Wait, did that, that happen for you? Is that how the revolt started for you? Uh, I forget. Actually, I forget who I. It started differently for me. I had um. Oh, I accused another brother. For something, I forget Jeez, why. You piece of shit, just killing the brothers. Yeah, I was Big killing, York. I was taking out the Abbey. Yeah. Um. Well, basically, depending on your choices, like one person dies to an angry mob, and then the mob moves on to the Abbey and then like burns the Abbey down. Um, yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, that mural piece, like, of just you know, panning from right to left of like what like, people dying, like p- characters that you've seen, like ones getting stabbed. Like, I mean, really the, the harshness and like just the reality of it really hits where you're just like, oh shit, that brother died. Oh my God, he died. Whoa, she, what? And it's like kind of hitting you all at once. Um, yeah. You got to figure if this was taking, if this game was done like AAA style, like full on graphics, like 3D motion, everything, like this would be an extremely violent, very brutal game to play for all those reasons you know it's like it's relatively cartoony you know like in terms of art style until it's not (laughs) and like someone gets beheaded and everything and there's like or strangled like graphically yeah and like that is that happens um during this part kind of all at once uh so i thought it was a fantastic kind of middle climax for sure yeah yeah um all right i i want to jump into nitpicks here because uh i'm very upset I, I, I'm upset about the Steam Deck still for breaking on me um, right when I downloaded this game and I couldn't play it on Steam Deck and I couldn't play it on any airplanes while I was traveling. I'm very upset. But also, 
do not play this game. Everybody listening, do not play this game on Xbox One. It is broken. It is sub Not only is it suboptimal, the auto-saving just almost doesn't work like a lot of the time. If you put your Xbox to sleep and then unsleep it, the game will pretty much crash after you boot it up. Like you have to like let an autosave happen, completely close the game, turn off your, make sure the game is not in sleep mode or anything, and then you will be safe. But I like basically what happened to me at the end of this game was, and also the load times are atrocious. Matt, I would hit Y for map. I, honest to God, it took 20 seconds to load the map in this game. I heard it was pretty atrocious on the Xbox, yeah. Dude, I would go into a house. It took me 10 to 15 seconds to load into the fucking house. Like, it was insane how bad and poorly optimized this was. And at the end of the day, as I was finishing the mural, about to hit the climax of the third act, the final act of the game, um, I got put into a save state after a game crash where everyone in the town was gone and my journal was empty. And I walked around the town for several minutes, finding nothing and unable to go back to a previous save. The only thing I can do is restart the act entirely, which I couldn't do. I was already several hours into that act and we had to do this podcast and I'm very upset about it. So all transparency, I did have to kind of look up the final results of things, find out who the real evil person was in the town. And it was... It was who I thought it was. I would have got there. I would have got there for sure. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I probably not. Probably not. Um, I was I was surprised with how it ended. Yeah, I I'm just I'm very upset that that it had to be this way. You know, this game is on Game Pass. Like this is how a lot of people are going to experience this game, and it is just going to be a nightmare um, for so many people. And um, you know, the the one I sent, I, I I know I sent you an article, Matt, on the whole thing. I don't even think the article I sent was from a fairly. I don't even think it was from like a huge publication. Or anything like that. Um, who who was the? Yeah, like punishedbacklog.com was like the first uh, publication that came on when I googled right. like Xbox suboptimal whatever for this game. Like, I don't know how this isn't like an IGN headline. I don't know how this isn't like in the IGN review where the reviewer gave it like a perfect ten. Like, this is on Game Pass. This is we're thousands. Mil- like, a I mean, it's probably a similar game. thing to. I'm surprised they haven't had an amended review because i know they had an amended cyberpunk review yeah um because i know they reviewed cyberpunk when that came out on pc and then later amended it for xbox but hey man i played on my pc I yeah no i know i played on my work laptop because i wanted to play on my tv but i wanted to use my game pass so i hooked my laptop up to my tv oh, with uh nice. i HDMI. saw that yeah yeah, yeah I it saw was great the, yeah yeah i was confused because i saw your b-reel and you were like playing it on your couch and i was like wait i thought he's playing on pc yeah, so. no, it was a perfect, perfect couch game. And uh, no, man, this was a fun one for me, too, just because it really brought me back to uh, through college. I really actually didn't do much gaming. Um, and most of the gaming I did do was like small indie stuff um, on my laptop because that's all my game could run, which is kind of where I developed a lot of my love for like these smaller titles or things that like a lot of these games also tend to be stuff that's like choice driven or can be choice driven, stuff like that. I think that's kind of where my love those kind of things came from but you know i was just like i i was playing this over the holidays a bit and i was just you know cozy in my room at my parents house like playing it with my laptop on my chest on lying in bed with my xbox controller in hand and it just really really just brought back some just like cozy memories of 
uh, simpler times. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. That's great. I that's that's honestly probably the best way to experience this game. Um, the way you just described it. Um, avoid it on Xbox One at all costs. Um, yeah, this was this was a fun one for me too, man. Honestly, I know we had I know we got a little hot there for a second. Glad we were able to kind of move past that one. But um, truly, like I think that. If anyone is interested at all in history or religion or like sort of the dynamic that religion has on the real world, this game is like totally covering themes that just are not covered in games, really. Um, and you got to give it credit for stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, these the the characters in this game are simultaneously like praying to God at every meal um, and like burning a church down. Like, how cool is that? You know, how cool is it to see like such a dynamic played out between um these townsfolk these peasants and like the abbot and things like that and like the historical context like martin Lute, like one of the characters in the game the archdeacon like is part of the catholic church he's the judge and the jury in act one and then 20 years later he's a lutheran and like he says like he writes a letter and he says hey if you don't mind conversing with someone who's no longer in the who's a lutheran then oh yeah let me tell you something it's like whoa like, what a good touch. They, like, even took the time out of their day to make a character, like, within this historical context, like, go from being, like, a, you know, dignified archdeacon in the Catholic Church to being a Lutheran. Pretty cool. Like, I, I think that stuff is, like, amazing uh, that they did all that with the story. Um, and I, I give it I give it tons and tons of credit for that. Um, so, yeah. And, and just, like, the glossary, being able to, like, look up historical words, um, just get, like, a little bit of extra context on, like, paganism roman myths like roman legends in the area was really really awesome and one more thing i loved the way they handled other characters speaking other languages like when the italian guys show up like the the script starts writing in italian and then english is put over it it's like this really cool animation to signify that like they're not speaking well they're actually speaking German, but like it's it was a really cool foreign language like insert that I've actually never seen a game do that's in in writing. So very cool. Yeah, love the game overall. I think I've already gloated about it a lot. Um, Lucas, did you remember to do all alternative titles segment? Ah, uh, I I think I had. Ah, uh, no, I didn't. I you got to add it to your outline. Yeah, yeah, I didn't add in the outline. That's my bad. You, you got any? You want to explain the new the new segment we got? Yeah, Lucas and I thought it would just be just fell over a little bit. Thought it'd be fun to add in a segment where we just kind of pitch alternative titles to the game. Um, Name my, this game. I think I might have. Oh, like naming. Re, wait, rename this game. That's the you know, rename this game. Yeah. yeah. Rename. Rename. Rename this game. <laughs> um, so I had Anarchy at the Abbey. Oh, that's a hot one. I'm one. still not sure what pentiment means, to be honest. Yeah, what I was going to say, do, you, do we know what pentiment means? Hot Mickey, can you look up what the word pentiment means in the Webster's English Oxford Dictionary? All of them? Oh. <laughs> An underlying image in a painting is the revealing one of a that painting. has become visible when the top layer of a painting has turned transparent with age, providing evidence of revision by the artist. Ooh, the, okay. the proper word is pentimento, actually. Yes. Pentimento. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That's very artsy. You got any other rename yeah. games? That's all I got on this one. I need your okay. help next time. I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna make one up right now. Um, Midnight Monastery. Oh, that's good. Ooh. That's good. Um, bloody, bloody, blood and tassing. 
Blood and tassing. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. What What's wrong in tassing? <laughs> <laughs> what's the deal with tassing? Yeah, um, yeah. I think we're I think we're getting close. Um, we'll, we'll have more. We'll have more. The segment will be better down the line for sure. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, but this game obviously got my seal of approval. Lucas, did you get your seal of approval? Yep. Hot Mickey, based off what you heard today, does it get your seal of approval? Yeah, it definitely sounds like an amazing game. Matt, before Love you it. jumped in this call, um, I actually, <laughs> Mickey, you want to tell him what happened to you? How you were watching a Let's Play, and then you want you oh, want to tell? Yeah, him? so I watched the. Uh, Several months ago, I forget when it actually uh, first released, but I was watching a playthrough of which I thought was Pentiment of of Atrox playing through a game, and then like I was like, oh, like I can even like comments on some of it, and then like when I was watching through the trailer of Pentiment, I'm like, this looks slightly different. I don't see any of the scenes I saw before. So, Mickey almost watched a Pentiment playthrough. <laughs> no, no, no. I've already seen this playthrough. What was the I'm, game I'm, you were watching then? It, it was the Procession to Calvary. It's like very similar. It's very similar to Pentiment, but it's way. It has way more dark humor. It's like mm. more focused on dark humor. Oh. Gotcha, gotcha. Wait, isn't uh, who, which streamer were you watching, Mickey? Atrioc. Isn't that the guy, Matt? Yes, it is the guy. Atrioc yeah, is in okay. some hot. Yeah. I wasn't going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it real quick. Um, when we're already this much into the recording. Sure, why not? Um, for anyone yeah, still listening. I mean, for anyone still listening, Atriox's in some hot water, folks. Um, the man basically got caught. Fucking, all right, honestly, you're a fucking idiot. No sympathy. <laughs> he got caught watching deep fake porn of Pokimane and I think another streamer named Maya. I'm not, Maya? I think I'm not too familiar yeah, with the Maya. other one. Um, but essentially what they did, um, he was like switching between tabs on his stream and it just popped up um, that he was what had a deep fake porn up site for like on. a single frame. People paused it and saw what its tabs were and, and like, wait, it is. And second. also, it was a paywall deep fake. A paywall deep fake, yeah. And you know, I'll never shame a man for what porn he watches unless it's child porn. But it's also pretty problematic to watch deep fake deep fake porn of basically your co-workers in the streaming space is pretty weird he's also married uh, a married man can watch porn i'm not going to shame that but i don't hey. know it just doesn't whoa you unlocked a new debate i don't want to get into that right now okay. uh, <laughs> just, just, that's just, a whole we'll, we'll talk whole about that thing. on a zeitgeist episode or something um but yeah, and like he had this really shitty apology video saying <laughs> this wasn't a pattern of behavior this was a one-time curiosity and his wife's like his wife's literally in the background he's like this is so embarrassing but i believe him Whoa. basically I, I didn't watch the whole video i was cringing but that was the sentiment i got um but you know uh, you know it, it just kind of honestly that it just sucks for everyone involved in that it sucks for the streamers it sucks for atrioc i know ludwig is really close with age i was already i've been familiar with atrioc for a while because he's pretty close with the smash community so i'm very curious what ludwig's gonna say about this i also have been waiting for that and like uh they're they own a business together called off brand with it's ludwig atrioc and stands and haven't seen any activity from either ludwig or stands since this news was wow released. yeah oddly so, quiet right be now. curious I but um i just, just want to make sure the tfp people on this call are not on a paywall site for deep fakes. Um, just want to throw that out there right now. And if you please use your personal laptop, if you're going to be streaming, 
if you're doing something like that. It's, well, it I mean, there's no like, paywall. This whole thing. Also really <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> this isn't even the first time uh, kidding, A-Track kidding. has been like caught because of, of alt tabbing. Well, not uh, porn specifically, but uh, he was streaming on Ludwig's computer. It was alt tabbing and he opened up a Discord between Ludwig and uh, Valkyrie and it leaked. Uh, Valkyrie was like in some kind of like shady deal that she was trying to get out of and like talking with Ludwig about and he mm. leaked that conversation. Oh my like, god. <laughs> Don't yeah, be careful. Put I mean, in writing ever. Yeah. Call someone. That's, yeah. And then you got to be careful with the, that alt tabbing. You never know what you have open on accident. But, you know, it sucks for everyone involved in that, but Atrox's a fucking idiot for letting that happen in the first place. That's my yes. stance. Um and deep fake is pretty, you know, I I've actually been pretty scared of deep fake for a minute now. And, you know, I think it's pretty shitty that there can be technology out there that can produce. I haven't watched it, so I don't know how realistic it looks, but as I understand, relatively realistic looking porn of people that are not very, consenting to their faces. And it can also give people very body dysphoria, like what they should could or, like or should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, so it's honestly, pretty, pretty shitty that that exists. My like, theory is so shitty. My theory, if I ever end up, this is just it's gonna be it's gonna get a little weird for a second. If I ever end up in a porn video of any kind on the internet, or like there's nudes of me, there's video of me at all, I'm just calling deep fake on it. What is anybody gonna do? <laughs> I'm just like that's a deep fake. Even if it's yeah, real, honestly. it doesn't matter. It's like the reality. The like, only what is real and not real doesn't even matter anymore because we can create things that are not real, like that are basically real. You know. Well, and like, I'm gonna. I'm honestly like, if it was up to me, and I had like some you know, omnipotent power on the world, I would just do like a hard stop and delete all deep fake technology. Barring like using it for recreation of people that have passed, actors that have passed away in movies, which is arguably distasteful as it is. That's super weird. I'm so against that. I'm so against that. Yeah. Which is pretty distasteful as it is, is like, there's like no real utility for it at all other than to cause problems and shitty stuff like this. So, yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm pretty pretty against this overall, and I hope it stops. You guys ever see that Black Mirror episode where the girl's boyfriend died, and then she yes. recreated him, yeah, like through an AI? I haven't seen that one, uh-huh. dude. It's insane. And then like uh, she like falls in love with like what is essentially AI of her boyfriend, like mimics the boyfriend's voice and vocabulary, and Kate like just by analyzing like his writing and email and voice and everything. God damn. Yep. It's pretty twist. It's, it's really it's weird. So I think freaky. we're totally heading that direction. There's no stopping that train. I don't care how am- omnipotent you become, Matt. I don't, I don't think we're ever getting off this. Train. I know. So, so all right, moving on here is don't just don't watch it. Just don't pay money. To don't do watch it. it. Yeah. And if you are, don't do it on a streaming computer. It's, just, it's oh my not God, that hard. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> All right, take uh, you, let's do our rating. We're like I'm so, so sidetracked here. Um, all right, Lucas, you want to describe yeah, rating? So, all right, final conclusive rating for the game. Matt and I are both going to rate this game out of ten, and we are going to add those scores up and do it out of twenty. That is the official TFP rating for this game. Matt, three, two, one, nine, ten. I knew you were going to hit it with the ten. Yeah. Banged it with the nine. Um, I'm actually pretty shot. surprised you gave it a nine. I, I definitely thought it was seven. I said I, I liked the game. I, I, was just, I mean, nine is more than like You know, and I, I think we talked about this before on the podcast. I don't think a five is a bad score. 
Five's average. Five's five. No, six guys. isn't a bad score. Five, five so I'm pretty pretty blown away. You gave it a you gave that, it a nine. That's exactly what I was thinking, Matt. I um, see. I use the the grade school scale where um, it's anything, you grade don't school you, you just don't scoring. use you just don't use anything between. From now on, five. can we agree to not do that? No, that's not how ratings work. Because anything below five loses meaning. Then exactly. Yes. So what? Okay, let, let, let me put it this way. If okay. it, Go ahead. I if already a have doctor asks you on a scale of 1 to 10 how much something hurts, and you give it a 6, like, that's still pretty significant pain. Okay. And, like, if you and, – and in the grade school scaling, if you give it a 6, that's a D. That's a terrible thing. Okay. Okay. Mickey, girl goes up to you, says, you're a 5. How you feeling? Are you going, well, oh, I'm right there in the middle. Are you going, fuck, I'm a five. Well, I don't want to be average. Okay. I don't want to be middle. To I rest, I'm just going to rest. I mean, by your logic, Lucas, if some girl calls you a nine, that means nothing. What do you mean? It means that's great. That's great on both scales. Well, but no, because I, I wouldn't be happy mm. with a seven then. Matt. Because seven's average in this case. Yeah, it's guys. I'm just gonna. I'm. I, I know where I stand here. I think I made the point. I'm gonna rest the case. I think we're good. All right, this game got a 19 out of 20. <laughs> 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 um, that puts us, I think, in the Kakashi guy zone. Um, no, 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 all right, no, everyone. That, no, no, that's the Naruto Sasuke achievement award. Oh, the Naruto Sasuke achievement award. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, so um, we're up there. Can you can you paste that list again? I don't have it. Yeah, perfectly. yeah. Um, I mean, you want me to go through it real quick? Sure, for the, the people. The zero to nine is Sakura zone. The ten to twelve is the ten ten zone. Uh, we got thirteen <laughs> to fourteen is the Rock Lee zone, which I think is too low. Um, because for some reason the Hinata zone is above that with fifteen to sixteen. I think Rock Lee would totally fuck up Hinata. Uh, um, but like Hinata's a baddie. That's true. Um, <laughs> seventeen to eighteen is when we get pretty fire. That's the Kakashi guy zone. Um, that's where you want to be at minimum. Uh, 19 is the Naruto Sasuke Achievement Award, and 20 is the Mickey Legrand Coates Award for Greatness in Video Game Design. <laughs> <laughs> which only like two games, which only I like two games I've gotten, this. I think. So. Love it. All right, everyone. Well, that's all we got time for today. Uh, as always, you can find us online at tfpodcast.tfpodcasts with an S at the end. Go to the link tree on any of those. Come join us in the Discord. Um, website, thanksplaying.live, and choose an email, thanksplayingpod at gmail.com. Lucas, where can we find you? You could find me on Instagram at goodideaLucas. Uh, feel free to shoot me a follow, uh, shoot me a DM, talk about whatever, video games, movies, film, um, or you could hit me up on the Discord and talk to me about the same stuff. And Hot Mickey, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at teals underscore BCB, or you can find me lurking the Discord, just talking about random video game or random media stuff in general that I see pop up in my feed. And just love talking about that and uh, our episode stuff. All right. Love it. All right, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Scooby-Doo Boop. Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Sammy Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch Red Circle 